Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Is This a Thing? Gentlemen, we're here on a Zoom call hanging out on a Wednesday evening uh, talking Nathan Fielder. Can't wait to get into it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird vibe today. Yeah, it's a it's a <laughs> Fielder-esque vibe, I would say. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, just you're making me uncomfortable. I think it's I'm making you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I believe. Did you, it. Did, did you guys um, prepare for the pod by doing a practice pod with your buddies? Yeah, I, I hired actors. <laughs> I hired uh, using the fielder method. Did you see the Reddit page where uh, Reddit posters were rehearsing things that? They were gonna eventually post in the rehearsal subreddit. Oh what yeah, the yeah. Fuck? yeah. There's the rehearsal for the rehearsal subreddit. Right. Oh my god. Yeah, you can. <laughs> oh. They oh rehearse my... their interactions oh and my then god. finally post in the main Reddit. Yeah. God, who has the energy? Uh, apparently HBO. I, s- <laughs> I, I do. I, you know? Okay. We we're here to talk about the rehearsal. Yes. All six episodes, eight episodes, six episodes, six. five, six, episodes, six uh, uh, on HBO Max. And I do want to say this show, unlike maybe any other show, has really uh, been all the more entertaining on social media. Oh, I haven't there been following is, the social media. It's it's insane, Adam. OK, OK. <laughs> as much as this show is insane, the social media is just as fucking crazy. Uh, couple we, we things talk- happening here. Couple things. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. going on? Tell me. Well, we ju- we just spoke about Reddit here. <laughs> yes. Um, there is a a Facebook group that I joined briefly, and then I had to leave because it was so toxic. I really could not. toxic. Yeah. <laughs> it was so <laughs> no. toxic. It's, it was the Nathan for you business posting Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a private group. That oh, I had and I'm to, sure like, you've been answer- a member like most of your adult life. <laughs> <laughs> I had to like answer questions to get in. Oh, and yeah, I, it's one of those I was shows. in it for like a day and I was like, fuck this, I'm gone. Right. But um the guy <laughs> Nothing from... worse than working really hard to join a Facebook group only to have to quit. <laughs> right. I'm yeah. gone. I th- one of the guys from the show uh is a frequent poster mm. in who... this group. Oh god, who uh, is that? The gentleman in uh episode two, perhaps, who becomes for like a day the fake husband. Oh yeah, who, who the guy with the crazy roommate? That guy. Oh, that guy that, also is. Uh, he posts quite a lot on Twitter. Yeah, that, that fucking loser. Yeah, I his story him. does not end with the the show. Adam, I will tell I, you. I, I all I heard was that he was a little upset at Mister Nathan Fielder. Uh, I don't know the the the, the <laughs> details or the depths of that, but you know who wasn't upset at Mr. Nathan Fielder, his younger brother, who apparently does not like his older brother, and thought it was hilarious that he got trolled on HBO Max. Wow! <laughs> according to another Twitter post, well, I said yeah, that brother. guy did like an interview with Vulture or something, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm 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 a quirky guy." <laughs> like, okay, because I think they asked him generally, "Were you depicted?" truthfully or deceptively and he's like yeah you know i'm, I'm a bit of a character <laughs> like, that's, okay that's such a non-answer <laughs> um, I, I don't know exactly what the wording was but yeah yeah he he's he's out there i think and he's on cameo too right as is uh i, I mean i'm horrible with these people's names angela but, uh, angela An- 
Angela. Oh, Angela is on Cameo as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, these people are, you know, for years I've said Nathan Fielder is a horrible person. He leaves a wake (laughs) of bodies behind him. He 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 ma- a, a, a trail of blood and tarnished reputations. Yes, just follow yes. him yeah. from network to network. Yeah, I love him for it, but he's a horrible human being. Uh, you know I'm who would start- agree with you on I, I'm, that? I'm start I'm starting to rethink that opinion though. Yeah, but you know who would agree with you on that stance? Nathan Fielder. <laughs> You're probably right. He, he would agree with you. I mean, if you asked him, like, is is what I do above board? Is what I do kosher? Not to use a pun related to episode five of the rehearsal, uh, he would probably say no. He would probably say no. This is. Not I don't okay think that he do. would say no. I think that he would go on a week long tangent to explore the answer to that question, right? And then leave us on a vague cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy that is as innovative and clearly very anal retentive, um, <laughs> but also completely unsure of his entire mission statement. You know what I mean? Like he Maybe. he is so committed to his anxiety and it and that's sort of like the, the push and pull of this show. I was thinking about him in relation to that. Sasha Baron Cohen. I was you know? too, I was too. Funny, funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Because they're often brought up in the same breath, the same sentence. It was kind of the genre of cringe comedy that Sasha Baron Cohen created with Ali G and Borat and Bruno. And Fielder has kind of taken the baton and gone in a million different other bizarre directions with it. Uh but Borat always seems like um, a character with a very specific thesis. You know, yep. I am out to prove something uh, socially or politically uh, pernicious about the United States. And I'm going to expose what real people actually think beneath the surface. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of like moral reckoning with the the tactics used in Borat. Whereas here, like... Nathan is constantly questioning, what is the reason for doing this? What am I trying to say by doing this? Uh, Am I a good person? Is my art reflective of some greater truth or is it deceptive? Um, And that's what I'm sort of amazed by. Like, how much of this is staged? How much of this is spontaneous? And how do the creators feel about all of this? You know? (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure I was as convinced that he was questioning himself and maybe not as much as you're letting on, at least by yeah. the end of it. I, I, <laughs> I mean, this is my first exposure to Nathan Fielder. And <laughs> what an exposure. Here's, here's, here's the thing. I don't get the impression that he has too many second thoughts or regrets. Yeah, I would agree. Well, it's always going to ring hollow when you're expressing these regrets on a TV show. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And like, well, it it also kind of really, it it, it sort of blunts that point where you watch episode six and then 12 seconds later, you see uh, the rehearsal season two has been (laughs) like, (laughs) like, if he was really regretting this, he wouldn't be coming back. Right. Um, also, yeah. see, episode six would not be what it is. I mean, episode six is very constructed. <laughs> it's right. Ve- it's very. It, it's it's more constructed than perhaps any other episode in this in this show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I and I I would hope by then yet. I mean, particularly with the the button at the end, the sort of like the the mm. you know the fi- the mission statement of the of the of this season with with the last line. And I was like, oh yeah, he he came to the bottom of something. Not entirely sure what it what it was, but he did it. In his mind, he did. Right. Yeah. Let's 
let's give a really quick primer on Nathan Fielder's career wow. thus far before wow. the rehearsal. How do you even do that? Uh, I believe his he his start was in Canada, correct? Yeah, yeah I he think had he had a, a Canadian skit, uh, like sketch, uh, five minute, ten minute long little segment as part of another show. Yeah, I think it, it, he was a staple of um, of a public broadcasting network in Canada, and yeah. uh, right, and he. I guess sort of parlayed that into a pitch with Comedy Central. And I think yeah, Tim he, Heidegger he's got known involved for, at some point. He's known for a very sort of bland delivery, uh, but very funny, obviously. Uh, and I think yeah. the news stories he was reporting on was these weird, wacky news stories that he just reported in a very serious but bland way. But it just always landed. I don't know. <laughs> I've watched those clips and they are quite funny. They're yeah, not nearly most as of funny as his YouTube. later work. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, and I would say everything up until the rehearsal you can find on YouTube. So I recommend right. pause this podcast, go watch a few clips of especially this next thing, which is Nathan for You on yes. Comedy Central. Two seasons, three seasons, perhaps. Um, I think they might have uh, done four. Maybe I even think four. it ran from from twenty thirteen to twenty seventeen. Yeah. This is yeah. how I discovered him. Yes. I introduced Nico to him. You did. Uh, that fateful day. It is, and I never looked back. Borderline, the funniest thing that Comedy Central has ever produced. I, I think it's definitively the funniest thing. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's by far. Yeah, you sat me down. We, we were, we had a party. This is like maybe late high school, early college, and uh, there were like ten of us hanging around. And you're like, "Hey, let's watch a, an episode of this Nathan for You show." Nico, I think, will be into it. And I think at the time, I, I sort of. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought that I was a little bit above the whole Comedy Central thing. You know what I mean? I, I, I've always sort of treated Comedy Central as kind of like this juvenile, low art, you know, basic cable network. And I, I definitely had skepticism. And then you showed me one episode and then we watched another. And then by the end of this party, 10 of us were watching the finale of season one. Like we thought <laughs> watched the whole thing. And I mean, it's truly one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And the show only gets better. Like it only escalates and it gets more complex. And um, and, and the concept for the show, yeah. for those of you who haven't seen it really, really briefly is he, he sort of uh, bills himself as a um, <laughs> he has a business college degree. Yeah. And so he can help <laughs> your business succeed. I think so. The, he I think the, struggling. Exact, the exact line from the intro is I graduated from one of Canada's top business schools with really good grades. <laughs> and it shows like a report card with like B's. Right. <laughs> it's like and so the whole pitch is, you know, he finds these small businesses and he helps them get more customers in the door. He, he basically asks them what their goal is, and he helps them achieve their goal in a really roundabout way with a lot of subterfuge. Yes. So that they're not really getting what they – they're getting what they asked for, but they're not getting what they want. And right, the customers right. are equally being duped. Yes. <laughs> uh, and nobody is – like I said, he leaves a he leaves a, like a wake of bodies. <laughs> this is how I envision – just I envision every room that Nathan Fielder walks in, he leaves it covered in blood and gore. Like, yeah, there's just – <laughs> yeah, my my feeling on Nathan Fielder upon watching the rehearsal, like I said, my first exposure that he's he's kind of like a, a Rube Goldberg machine that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's great. It's such a good look. <laughs> I think that from just watching the rehearsal, you get a lot more of the impression that what he's doing doesn't work. Whereas when you watch Nathan for you, you get the impression that everything is working exactly as intended. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I think there's a little bit more intentionality with that show. Yeah. I, well, I think part of the purpose of the rehearsal is that it doesn't work. And I was I, I was reading a little bit into the origins for this show. Um, and, uh, you know, I, there's a... There's a movie, there's a, a full like feature length documentary that concludes the final season of Nathan for you. And it's called Finding which I, did, I went back and watched it. Yeah. By the way. And it's incredible, Nick. Right. It, yes. It's, actually, we, we talked about it. So I went back and watched it and I realized I actually did watch it once before. I yeah. couldn't remember. Yeah. And uh, so it was just nice to kind of revisit that. Yeah. It, it, like you said in that conversation we had, it's sort of like a primer for this. Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, it definitely tonally, I think, has more in common with what the show was going to be than than the original Nathan for you. Uh, And and there's there's one scene. The whole premise is that at one point in the run of Nathan for you, Nathan befriends this Bill Gates impersonator that keeps (laughs) reappearing in different stunts. And uh, Nathan uh, spends an hour and a half uh, in in movie time, but actually several weeks and months in real time. Uh, tracking down this impersonator's long lost love, Francis, um, and it's this really elaborate uh, uh, Nathan for You episode. And there's a scene in that uh, where uh, he he runs through a potential interaction that the Bill Gates impersonator could have with Francis, and they essentially rehearse in a much less intricate version um, of the rehearsal concept this interaction. Um, and it's like this, you know, improv exercise. Uh, and, and you sort of see like the gears turning there, right? Like you you kind of see mm-hmm. the seed for what this was about to come. Nathan also mentioned in a Vulture interview he recently, or maybe, uh, what was it, New York Magazine? A New York Magazine interview that he did um, that they used to run these kinds of rehearsals at the offices of Nathan for you. So, you know, they would have these ideas of, of what Nathan was going to say to some of the participants and they would try to anticipate what they would say as a result. And uh, Nathan's big takeaway from these exercises was we never got what we were looking for. Like it mm. was never accurate. <laughs> it never worked. It never no. worked. It didn't help the process at all. Like it, oftentimes the role playing exercises were incredibly different than the real life interaction. Um, and he was sort of fascinated by this idea that you could rehearse the same moment over and over again and never quite nail what reality was going to be. You know, yeah. so I think built into this premise, and certainly built into that final episode, which I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about, is this idea that the exercise will always go wrong. You cannot prepare for the things that life is going to throw at you, right? Yeah. Interestingly, though, um, that kind of makes a lot of sense because I've always felt that the show has this weird, inexplainable quality of scriptedness and unscriptedness. At the same, it's like okay. Schrodinger's script. Uh, <laughs> I can never tell if the show is pre-planned or not, if it's reality TV or if it's 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 this weird blend, and that makes a lot of sense. I had to figure that out too uh, when when watching it because there are certain subjects where you know I I stuff like this I'm always kind of skeptical of where it's like. Are they trying to trick me? Are these like subjects really actors, or particularly with like Cor and Angela? I was like, 
I mean, maybe they're real, but yeah, I, I mean, the real people, they are real. I actually, <laughs> I had to, I had to go do a little digging, but it turns out they are actually real. But <laughs> core, funny enough, appeared on an episode of cash cab. Along to, <laughs> I, <laughs> How did he do? Well, he did pretty well. Yeah. I imagine so. <laughs> yeah. He takes his trivia very seriously. But just the fact that it was fucking Cash Cab that he appears on. That's like, how do you do that? But that makes me question Cash Cab is the thing. Well, here's here's the thing, right? It's easy to be like, oh, these people are so weird. They have to be actors. Yeah, but yeah, the reality yeah. is it's not that hard to find a crazy person to be on I have to remind TV myself show. When you say that, yeah, that's absolutely true because I I, – I, I, on reflection, I was like, well, you know, I do watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Yeah. You have to be a fucking moron to go on either of those shows. So I, I mean, guess- yeah, that's what I want to say to all these people being like, Nathan is unethical. I mean, yeah, but what is The Bachelor? Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Like, you're what, get, it's the same. You're getting show, made fun of. Yeah, where we're 30 women lust over one man who, who <laughs> like carries on sexual relationships with all of them at the same time. What do you call that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I think here's the difference and, and part of Nathan's genius. And this was as true of Nathan for you as it is of this show. Uh, documentaries, reality shows, whatever you want to call this specific subgenre doesn't normally seek out the kinds of characters that Nathan seeks out. Um, and there's something about, you know, the average reality TV personality where it, it kind of feels healthy and OK to mock them. You know, there's something about the average sort of like blonde, uh, you know, uh, traditionally beautiful woman who is eloquent and well-spoken and, you know, the camera loves them and they love the camera. You know, there's something easy to mock about those kinds of personalities. Like I think about, you know, the random couple that would be cast on an HGV, HGTV show or a contestant on The Bachelor. Um, whereas here, like... He doesn't even cast real people. I mean, he casts offbeat people. You know, Angela's <laughs> sure. the kind of person that she's so polite and so honest that she makes you uncomfortable. Like, she's mm-hmm. one of those kinds of people. And that's not the kind of person you see on TV a lot. No. You know, right. and it's, it's often there's the also, kind of there's person There's no way like, yeah, go ahead. They, they were ever going to have charisma to each other. No, like. I mean, it's just there's <laughs> right. There's no chemistry. I mean, it, she's clearly a person that's not going to roll with the punches, you know, <laughs> and, and I think the average, uh, you know, reality television casting person would probably say we want someone honest and we want someone nice. And then you see someone like Angela and you're like, yeah, but not that kind of honest and not that kind of nice. No way. And that's Nathan's brilliance is he's able to pick out these people, find the diamonds in the rough. And yeah, Core is someone I've never seen on television before. I mean, sure, he was on a random episode of the Cash Cab, but like that's not a guy whose life story we interrogate on TV. What's kind of special, though, for for exactly that reason, they're these very – you know, odd, unconfident, somewhat esoteric people um, that don't really belong in front of the camera. And that's no. that's the whole idea. I mean, and there's there's even instances where the guys clearly feel uncomfortable with the idea of what they're doing at all. I mean, usually even documentary subjects agree to do it because they're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm I, I vibe with this. I kind of like the idea of, you know, my life being told there's a built in ego involved. Definitely. Uh, not not really the case with these people. <laughs> yeah. So. 
this is the the real the, the part that I guess people would say is unethical about Nathan is not so much the fact that these people are getting made fun of. It's the subterfuge under mm-hmm. which they are agreeing to participate. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And frankly, nobody is left unscathed by this. Like even us as the audience, we don't know what we're signing up for. Yeah. Right. As a matter of fact, the first episode of the show implies that we're going to get a very different show than we get by the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this entire show is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> From beginning yeah, to of. end. Um, a Rube Goldberg machine that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think that's right. So, yeah, it's 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 the fact that he he lies to his um, the subjects that mm. I think is the questionable part. And uh, let's let's talk about, I guess, the premise of this show really briefly. Sure. So people aren't left confused. Um, in this particular show, the idea is that he finds people who have a problem and he hires actors to play other people in their life in an effort to have them rehearse out uh, the scenario that is troubling them. Our first episode is uh, Core, who has he's a trivia guy, does trivia every single week. His whole team is full of people who have master's and doctorate degrees, and he inadvertently, 10 years ago, implied he had a master's degree when he only has a bachelor's degree. (laughs) This lie has been eating at this man for 10 years, and he wants to come clean, and so Nathan helps him practice the conversation. Which, by the way... (laughs) Right? This is the first episode. Okay, because you guys, I think, were a little worried that, like, I wouldn't get the joke... By the way, I didn't watch the clip you sent me. I'm like, nope. Okay. Nope. I, I want I want to judge the show on its own merits. So you've literally you've never watched any other Nathan Fielder stuff. I've seen like like 30 second clips for dumb Starbucks. That's it. Got it. Because everybody has. Got um, it. No. Yeah. Basically, the, the, this was my f- like first full exposure to it. And the fact that the drama it, it revolves around a guy who can't get over the fact that he lied about having a master's to a fucking group of trivia people. I mean, it's the most absurd setup I've ever heard. No, while simultaneously being worried that he wouldn't do well in trivia. Exactly. Right. That was also the best part is that this conversation he was having was during trivia. So he had to find a way to focus on trivia, but not be distracted. God damn it. This episode is brilliant. (laughs) So insanely ridiculous. But here's... (laughs) Here's again, back to uh, leaving just a trail of bodies. Um, we get no closure. So this at the beginning of the episode, Kor says that the one person he wants to tell this to is the person he's most afraid is going to be mad. He, and he he kind of talks shit about this woman. Yes. He kind of says, like, sort of. she's, she's got a temper. She's doesn't forgive people. She holds grudges. And, you know, she's the nicest human being. <laughs> Right. When we meet her, right. she's so nice. Yeah. And when he admits to her, she has no problem. This yep. entire problem that's been eating at him is a farce. Sure. Well, well, it's almost as if like Nathan knew, like, di- like in the back of his head, he's like, oh, my God, the, the, the payoff for this is going to be the most anticlimactic thing ever because she's just going to shrug it off because anybody would. <laughs> right. Like, why would he why, why would anybody be that mad about that? Yeah. But but I'll tell you what, though. The climax did pay off because yes. watching well, that the the scene where he tells her like is thrilling. It's harrowing it thrilling. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's all on his face. I mean, there mm-hmm. are a couple shots where Nathan captures like authentic human terror 
Yes. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. In I the agree. way, and like the deep sort of terror that you don't see ever. I mean, you, you, that's footage that you really, you never get that intimate with a person on camera. Like you, no, you yeah. never see that. And what's his name? Core. That's his Core, name. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Core's face says it all in that scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, I, I think for, for the audience, it's, 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 exhilarating it's yeah. really wonderful to watch i'm just talking about like on paper it's like yeah it's, right. it, it's just like oh yeah no problem oh, right okay no okay. but 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 i mean the, the whole idea of this show is it's about anxiety and it's about yeah. how the things that we you know think are big deals in our head really uh, are yeah are, are not big, deal. big deals to other people and yeah. and part of it too is i think like he he purposely um he purposely seeks out uh, emotional rehearsals right Mm. emotional problems like it's not like sort of practical like how to build a a a a tool shed you know like how to do how to cash a check at the bank like it's it's all like how is this person going to react how am i going to be able to have this uncomfortable conversation and this clearly comes from nathan's own psyche here like he's definitely exploring his own anxiety and like you know whatever problems he's had pitching tv shows in hollywood i know personally on a personal level he did go through a divorce so i'm sure a lot of the marital stuff is informed by his own divorce like it really does capture you know first of all the sort of crippling feeling that anxiety can give you but also the absurdity of anxiety on its surface right sure yeah right yeah i think that also comes into i mean we can skip around a little bit and also we don't want to spoil every single comedic moment of every episode so right um but the I mean, you should crux. probably watch this whole show before listening to any of this. Yeah, I would recommend doing yeah. that. Yeah. I recommend it for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the main crux of the remaining five episodes really comes down to the idea of uh, one woman, Angela. She's in the next five episodes or four, at least mm-hmm. of the five, um, where her problem is she wants to uh, know what it's like to be a mother. She currently does not have any boyfriend or husband or anything like that she does not have kids but she wants to explore what it would be like to be a mother from birth till age 18 so the idea is that nathan is going to get a bunch of child actors and they're all going to like stay with her and they're going to slowly or not i mean faster than in real life obviously but they're going to slowly age up right as she raises them so that she can go through having a kid from birth to age 18 and it's not just none of these things we should elaborate none of these things are just oh it's just like they're on a stage practicing he builds full constructed sets he buys a house he puts you in the house i mean throughout the entire show he still owns a setup of the bar that he built down to every detail for (laughs) this first episode for trivia right Mm -hmm. he built a full-scale bar and he had the entire thing transported to another city (laughs) it's so convincing as a matter of fact that he just kind of leaves it open and people just start walking in as if it's a normal bar yeah he left it open as a real bar people actually started going there to get drinks and he just put it in a sound stage right And guys feed like pre-made pizzas through the pizza oven hole. <laughs> it is the funniest fucking thing <laughs> in the, the, the other oven. <laughs> and they just pull they out just, the pizza. <laughs> they order a delivery pizza, then it arrives and they just slip it through. Oh my it's god, so that's fucking funny. I mean, isn't it unbelievable to you that HBO has decided to put its money primarily in the uh dragon business and in the Nathan Fielder business? Because those seem to be the two most expensive shows on HBO now. I saw that first episode. Yeah, I I, I am, you know, 
partly amazed, but at the same time, I look at, you know, the dollars that Amazon is throwing around and the dollars that Apple refuses to admit it's throwing around. Right. I don't know, I don't know if you guys have known, but Apple TV, you cannot find any fucking information on how much their movies and shows cost. Yeah. Jesus. It is impossible. Yeah. Um, Do you like House of the Dragon? Yes. I, I, I think there's something there. I'm into it so far. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm into it. I, I maybe I'm not 100% convinced, but I think the, the it, it has my attention for the entire season. Put it that way. I, I like that I'm predicting things and they're turning out to be for the most part right, but still surprising. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I, I saw like that. It's I saw the first episode and gave up. So, yeah, you kind of. <laughs> It's kind of weird to say you have to watch Game of Thrones first. Oh, come on. No, I, I, it, it's really... <laughs> Nico, come on. That is the most hypocritical bullshit I've ever heard out of your mouth. I, mean, I, think, I, think, I think he's saying that hate, in the sense I hate, that... I really hate that you just said that. <laughs> I, I, think he, you, I think he's saying it in the sense that you kind of need to know what you're signing up for. Like, I think so, yeah. Oh, my God. I think there God. is an element of that. This is a much smaller, more intimate version of Game of Thrones, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could tell. I've seen the first season. I like the first season just fine. So it's know. a much smaller cast. It's uh, so far. I mean, which maybe it'll get huge. Yeah, that knows, that I, I that's what I'm sort of bumping up against. I think I, I like, you know, the original show, there are 20 different subplots going on and there's characters all throughout the globe. And uh, like, yeah, it. I never thought of Game of Thrones as a show that moved too fast until the last couple seasons. Uh, but now I watch this show and it's like, oh, wow, we're just going to be in this fucking palace room the whole time, aren't we? We're just going to talk you about know what, kings and successions. There are, aren't there some very, very significant time skips coming? Yes, yes, that's this season, like, like to the point that they had to hire new actresses to play the same people because that's how significant yeah. they're aging up. Right. So that's the plan. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I, I It is a little distracting, though, to be like, yeah, there's this crab guy coming. And they show like ten seconds of the crab guy, but you, you know? know what though? Like, can you deny that it was probably like some of the best ten seconds you've ever seen? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm totally into Mr. Krabs. As like, you, as you, <laughs> I call him Mr. Krabs. That was Nick's name. Uh, I, I, I've named the characters Good Man, Bad King, and Bad Man, Good Hand, and yeah. Mr. Krabs. Those are my names for many of the characters. <laughs> I will tell you, the cast is fucking dynamite. I mean, Matt evil, Smith. Evil, evil dragon Doctor Who. Matt Smith oh, yeah, is Matt amazing Smith. in this. He's amazing. He's, He's just the best. I love Matt Smith. Uh, Risa Fons as the as the hand, Otto, is great. She's great. Risa Fons awesome. is in this. That's re- yeah, that's Risa Fons playing the hand of the king. Oh. Uh, and then Patty Constantine as the king's really good. To, it's, it's awesome. It's a really good cast. It's really good. I, I'm into it. it I'm into it very much so. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it time to fuck up, but. Definitely. <laughs> no, but I, I but you know what though, like we got I th- actually I kind of maybe I sound like an asshole here, but I'm kind of annoyed at the people who are being like, Oh, it's gonna suck because I'm like there's a completely different crew working on this. Like it's not even the same well, people. It's not a completely different crew. They, Isn't it like a pretty significant like different writers, different producers, they right? They brought in part? Miguel Sapochnik who directed most of the great uh Game of Thrones episodes to show run this. But he just left actually. The the story actually just broke today that he's leaving. Oh, <laughs> that was one of the yeah, kind of a red flag. I don't know what's going on here, but that was one of the things that got the show sold in the first place. It's like, listen, we're bringing back a member of the old crew and oh, so maybe, maybe they're just a lot more involved. 
he probably just didn't want to do it and they just paid him to be there for the first season yeah to get yeah. the show started that's yeah. all yeah i don't know i yeah. that's fine Whatever. i will i will say to reuse the same theme song like i saw a great tweet that's like could you imagine if fraser used the same theme song as cheers <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's like, great it's just <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean it's not right i mean they use the same no. theme song what, Is it, what, isn't it weird I, I what it's kind of weird it, it's kind of weird to live in a world now where i feel like i'm okay with game of thrones spinoffs just being fine yeah sure. okay like, sure like five years ago i feel like everybody would have expected that everything game of thrones has to be the best thing on hbo ever yeah and there is no exception and now i'm just totally okay like if it's like if it's as good as fucking i'm watching westworld right now if it's as good as westworld i'm happy with that and that's not a high bar like i would i would say not (laughs) it's fine i would say decidedly not a high bar (laughs) i wish i wish i was there from the start guys i i I did season seven season eight and then season one and i'm like i can't do it anymore (laughs) (laughs) Not not the preferred order. No, not at all. <laughs> not not intended. Watch yes, I know, I know. Yeah, but one of the amazing things. Back to the the, the subject at hand here. Uh, watching yes. Nathan, t- uh, you know, watching Nathan work with the Comedy Central budget, and then working him, watching him work with the HBO budget is uh, quite something. And yeah, mm-hmm. they spared no expense in terms of the background actors and the sets. And uh, I mean, all of this footage, I mean, there must just be just drives and drives and drives worth worth of footage. Yeah. Do, do we know if there's any information out there on the show's budget? I, I I doubt it. I doubt there is. I mean, he does make a couple jokes in there about like in the finale, for example, uh, there's a moment uh, there's a party. There's a fake party staged with a bunch of extras. <laughs> populating the home oh, and uh, uh, uh you know according to uh you know sag rules extras are not allowed to speak so he had them all remain silent <laughs> during the entire party to save on the money uh i think he said fourteen thousand dollars in particular and that's obviously you know a joke uh because he is using a lot of HBO's resources here. Like Clearly, money yeah. was definitely not uh, an issue. I kind of like that though, because it kind of points out the stupidity of what they're doing with saving money in quotes by not having them speak. Right. <laughs> Look at how ridiculous this actually is. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Exactly. Yeah. So I was just looking at Reddit asking uh someone is asking what the budget what people think the budget of the show is per episode. And one person goes, I heard it was 10 million, but there was a 9 million rebate available by Nathan himself. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great episode of um, Nathan for you, Adam, where he offers free gas at a gas station to get more customers. But then they learn that the gas is only free by rebate. So they have to pay for the gas and then they can submit a ticket to get the money back later. And then he tells the people the only way to submit the ticket is in person. Uh, and it's up a mountain, yeah, it's on and you have to mountain. find the box. It's in a scavenger hunt, <laughs> and so like, and he goes, "We have a shuttle," and like five people agree to go, and they oh go up the God. mountain with him and do a scavenger hunt with him, and they camp out overnight. <laughs> Do they find it? <laughs> um, I think that they all end up giving up, but like several of them are just not upset anymore. They're like, honestly, this experience was like worth it. I feel like I've learned a lot about myself and it was like actually really heartwarming, but huh. okay. <laughs> one of my favorites one. is the one where he, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, 
a policy at Best Buy that they'll match the price of any local seller, any local retailer. So an electronic store, struggling electronic store, lists their uh, TVs for a dollar, uh, and then it sends randos to go get the price match at Best Buy in order to get their TVs for their own inventory. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> Is that illegal? <laughs> but in order to do that, obviously, they had to like, you know, actually list TVs for a dollar for people to buy them. Oh so they God. set up all these rules of like, you need to come with formal wear. So like he sends out the people to go get tuxedos. And they come back into the store with tuxedos on, and then he hides the TV in a room with a crocodile in it. <laughs> and everybody goes up to the fucking room and is like, nope, I'm out. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> then they announce that they're going to sue Best Buy. It's a whole thing. I mean, uh, it's, it is this weird kind of yes and style with Nathan. Mm. Like, you could always push it one step more. Like there's always an idea behind the idea and he just keeps improvising and improvising and improvising to these unbelievable jokes. But at the same time, like this must have been talked about ahead of time. Like this must be planned. Like you don't well, just find well, this shit on the fly, you know? God, I don't know. No, I, I imagine they must have a very dedicated legal team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's so. no there's no way they're just doing this shit without running it by legal. No, like right. No, they have to. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I mean who who is the guy you're talking about? I mean, on the topic of like like Sasha Baron Cohen, I mean, the, there's a lot storied history of him dealing with people who were incredibly upset and tried to sue his ass and all that stuff. But because these idiots signed this piece of paper and didn't read the fine print, it didn't matter. Um, I would have thought that th- that would have happened for the brother character, N- not not because he did anything particularly bad, but he does things that. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be on television for some of that stuff. You're talking uh, about the the guy who is like the <laughs> husband for a day? Uh, um, on the rehearsal? Is that what he or? is? He's the, they, it's, he's the younger brother who's trying to get the money for the will. Oh, oh, okay. Who meets up with the old man, the grandpa, and they right. dig, dig for gold in the fucking <laughs> woods. <laughs> What he doesn't realize is that these moments are some of his oh. last moments on the planet. <laughs> that How was can you the fuck? <laughs> there is some. <laughs> I was so dead by that. Po- I was oh like, what God. in the fuck is happening? One of the. <laughs> yeah, the, explain so that, is, though. Explain okay, that. Let, the, the, the stunt quickly. Let me, I'll, I'll lay the groundwork of this episode. So, um. <laughs> like, uh, what the hell is a, happening? There is a guy who his grandfather passed away and he has a large sum waiting for him. Um, and his older brother uh, is the basically gets to be the arbiter of when his younger brother gets that money. And uh, basically, he doesn't want to give the younger brother the money because he doesn't like the younger brother's girlfriend. And he thinks that she's just a gold digger and she <laughs> wants to marry him for the money kind of thing. Um, so the younger brother goes to Nathan to practice having the conversation with his older brother. So they hire an actor to play his older brother to go through the conversation multiple times. Meanwhile, the actor um, is told by Nathan to take this guy with him 
out of character. He's not acting anymore. He's just being himself. <laughs> yeah. They go meet up with his grandpa. <laughs> and being himself. How, how impossible these episodes are to explain. <laughs> right. No, it's insane. I'm, I'm going through it now as you're it's, saying it. It's like, I'm like, geez, it's a confusing. You know, it's, it's, he's doing it's a pretty hilarious. good job so far, but how's he going to fucking stick the landing here? <laughs> <laughs> good luck. So <laughs> through, through circumstance, they make it so that this younger brother ends up going with the actor's grandfather who is also an actor unbeknownst to him to go help him dig up some fucking old buried treasure essentially <laughs> on their property. And I'm then gonna, the old man make it a more says, immersive experience, right? Yes. The old man says to him, you help me do this. I want to leave you some money. <laughs> and then the old man dies, right? Fake dies. dies. Yes. So now this fake conversation that this guy was going to have with the older, with uh, the actor who's playing his older brother about the money turns into a real conversation about, well, your grandpa wanted me to have the money. Right. And he's like, well, and then the actor is like, well, I don't really think that he was in the state of mind to, you know, so he goes through these hoops (laughs) to make the the practice as close to reality as possible. But I'm just watching this episode. He hasn't wiped the grandpa's ass. He literally has him wipe the old man's ass. Yes. 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 That is a real thing that happens. Uh. Um, Yeah, it's 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 crazy it is crazy and i i'm watching this though and i'm like how can you not know that something's up like you don't just get called to go dig up treasure with an old man on a regular tuesday yeah that's where (laughs) i I question i i do question exactly what these people are being told ahead of time because it Mm -hmm. seemed like it seemed like there were some conversations happening behind the scenes that weren't shown here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean you have to know that this is a show with a comedic bend to it, right? You you kind of have to know well, that. With that guy and with that scenario, I got the impression that he was maybe a little bit more aware, but I'm not sure I could say that about every person. Well, in every I can't scenario. say it about the five year old kid. How about that? Oh sure. my god, I can't it, say it that, about him. One of the hardest things to watch, I would say, of of this year in a while for me, honestly, that was rough. I yeah. didn't enjoy that. At all. Not an enjoyable half hour of television. In my By the no. way, that mo- the mother of that young child, she's on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, she has nope. tweeted about the show since. Um, it seems like the kid's doing fine. She says he's fine. Okay, that's He's doing good. fine. But, yeah, uh, there was this really hard... Episode 6 is hard to watch, man. Yeah. I would say episode 4 and episode 6 are the craziest two things I've ever seen. Yeah, some of the craziest... Uh, uh, episodes of television i've ever seen in my life yeah like, possibly really possibly. insane <laughs> uh, uh yeah go we ahead. have episode six we have this young child oh you you skipped is- over do you want to explain what four and five is first or do you want to just go to six we can talk in whatever order you want no i we just think we could well we I skipped just, right over we skipped right over robin yeah do we need to talk about robin a little bit i know i know his remind me a robin he's, he's the loser He's the guy that get hooks up with hooks up in quotes with Angela. Wants to oh, hook right. up with Angela. Wants to yes. hook up with Angela, yeah. So yeah, and, they set up a dating profile for Angela to find a man who might potentially be her husband in this experiment to raise a child for 18 years, right? Yeah. And um she comes across this guy, Robin, who is uh crazy as all fucking hell. 
right? <laughs> oh, perfect. perfect Seems like her. a psychopath, legitimately. I mean, like yeah. he like he has this bizarre argument with his roommate where he just tells him, God bless you over and over again. Yeah. And like we don't know exactly what started the argument, but he's just like, God bless you, bro. God bless you, bro. We, but they're like yelling. They're yelling like nice things at each other, but in yes. a very aggressive way. Right. Yeah, I know. It it's, is, it's fucking weird, isn't it? But, let me ask you a question. I think we're all probably varying levels of religious on this podcast, right? Yeah. How do you feel generally about the treatment of, of religious folks? Oh, boy. Uh, these religious folks? I don't think the show had too much to say on that. I think that let them speak for themselves. Yeah, I mean, these are, I, well, I would go. I also yeah, don't, but that's, that's I, a hard thing, though, man. Like, as you, I don't as really you mentioned get before. Impl- like, these people were just insane people, though. Like, Angela and Robin, who are both the two main religious figures in the show. I guess there's four. There's four religious folks, Nathan included. Okay. Y- yeah. Um, yeah. You, have, you have Angela and Robin, who both claim to be Christian and uh, very much practicing. And seem uh, to have, by the way, like troubled pasts, too. Very troubled past. Like yeah. Angela yes. talked about having drug abuse as a child. That also kind of made me feel a little uncomfortable about the end of episode four with the OD. It's like, oh, yeah, we're just gonna, yeah. We're run this scenario in front of a. a oh, yeah. A yeah. That's a little drug addict. Yeah. But, yeah. So that that was, you know, and also Robin, I, I it seemed like the two of them had sort of found uh, religion and found sort of refuge in religion. Mm-hmm. After traumatic incidents from their youth, yeah. One of the first things she says is, "I hate my dad." You know, yeah. or I hated my dad for the longest time. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So gives you an right. idea. So it's a Except- very specific kind of religious. And like you said before, Nick, with the whole subterfuge thing, it's hard to draw the line between this is what Nathan's subject said, and this is what Nathan's subject said because Nathan provoked them. Like, it is kind of a fine line. If they're saying it themselves, the show's also kind of saying it, you know? Robin, I don't know about as much. Robin seems like they really just found him and he just did it all himself. I I, I don't get the impression that Robin was very provoked. Yeah. I I, I was actually having this exact conversation with a friend of mine who saw the show and really loved it. And I was kind of comparing it to, like, Sasha Baron Cohen and not talking very kindly about Sasha Baron Cohen because Nico and I have complained about this before. They're just sometimes he'll run across subjects that will react to him more so because the personality is just acting like a lunatic. It's not really, to me, it doesn't really comment so much on uh, America's intolerances in certain moments. It's like, Nico has said it before, where it's like, if that happened to me, I'd just think this person is a nut. Because this is not the way... It's not the way people from across the pond would, would react. It's, yeah, it's no, just, Borat is not a real person. So, exactly. You yeah. know, like he's clearly a character. So it's like really what you're showing is how human beings will react in the presence of a mentally ill person. Yes, yes. Which is generally pretty positive. So like, you know, someone being kind to Borat, what exactly have you proved? Nothing. No, no that's my problem. It's like I don't know what you're, you're proving. Uh, certain subjects he just he – just, again – the, when it works in Borat is when he just kind of walks into a situation and the people start uh, speaking for themselves, like those uh, incredibly racist people when he's uh, going to sing the uh, Kazakhstan uh, national anthem. Yeah, uh, that that's a very revealing moment. And it's similar here where Nathan doesn't really do much. He just walks into this guy's apartment and I, well, I get his stuff. he does. I want to talk about the brilliance here. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This is the brilliance of it. This is really Nathan's brilliance here. This man arrives to meet Angela 
Yeah. And Nathan has a choice. I stay here with Angela while he goes home and packs or I go with him. Sure. Right. And I leave my subject behind. I open door number two. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. And yes, the yes. fact that he chose, he said, you know, I'm going to go with you to help you pack. Is right. it, that intuition to know this guy is fucking gold. He's right. crazy. <laughs> and we're going to find something. He gets in the car with him and the guy's like immediately like smoking pot in the car basically but or that's something, what right? i mean <laughs> and that's he's what like, i'm referring he's going, to he wants to go 100 miles per hour yep and <laughs> while he's driving 100 miles per hour he's like oh yeah i totaled my last car it's like oh when was that like oh yeah two weeks ago like yeah you know but i'm not, the guy's I'm not insane. sure i'm not sure he's like provoking the guy that like you said the guy's kind of doing the work we what he does what he's doing is more so for the documentary like you said because he had the foresight to understand like oh this guy's right. a lunatic this guy is a treasure trove of great material That's i'm just gonna fo- i'm just gonna follow him and let him go and yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that he, does, was he, provoking he does him, ask though. the right questions though he does go yeah. like he, the guy packs a bong and he's like what's what's this that you packed there like he doesn't just let that go you know no, but all he but, needed to—it doesn't really matter, though. The fact that he got—he <laughs> caught the guy with the bong. The guy is just doing it himself. I don't think he's provoking him to take the bong. Well, he asks him about—he uh, asks him about having sex with Angela. He's like, "Are you going to try something, or you have—you understand this is just—we're just going through an experiment here." And mm. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. in that um, sense, yeah. I, I want to talk more about about this guy. By the way, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to, to put too fine a point on this here, but I, I do kind of want to hammer. I, I want to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> I'm not sure why I find Borat reprehensible and Nathan fun. I, I don't really know. Like, I, I mean, maybe they're trying to prove different things, but they're using similar tactics. I, I don't know exactly why I because he is trying to provoke these people. I mean, he puts a camera in their face well, and plays a character. Like, like right. I said at the beginning, right, I'm sort of starting to come around to this idea that, like, yeah, what he's doing is unethical, but it's not actually bad because of how all of these people have reacted now that the show has come out. Well, Normally, uh, we don't get this kind of closure with Nathan Fielder. We've been got, getting a lot more closure and a lot more people. And I'll tell you what, they're all reacting uh, like, hell yeah, this is my 15 minutes. None of them are suing him. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, that, that's true. That's true. I mean, so I've kind of come around a little bit. If you're responding to a Craigslist ad for a reality show, I mean, you're probably a certain kind of person. Well, and the fact that they're on Cameo now, like that's clearly indicative of I endorse this. Yeah. I don't know if there's also anything mean spirited about it. I mean, yes, you could argue it's it's probably unethical, but I mean, (laughs) it's pretty mean spirited. (laughs) I know. No, I find Borat to be pretty mean. Yeah, I find it meaner. I also don't find it as funny, too. Maybe that's another thing. The thing about Borat, too, is that they're using a false premise to force a square peg into a round hole, so to speak. They're trying to prove their point under false premise. Right. Whereas while Nathan uses subterfuge, he's also doing so under reality. Yeah, maybe maybe that or maybe he's just better at it. They could be. be I mean, maybe he's just better at concealing what his true intentions are. I mean, it it could be either one. I do feel, though, at the end of an episode of Nathan for you or the end of an episode of the rehearsal, I I feel like I've learned um, a profound truth about reality. And I don't feel that way about Borat. I feel manipulated when I watch Borat, whereas when I watch this, I feel like he's actually tapped into something true. Yeah. Yeah. Again, maybe he's just really good at fooling me. I mean, Nathan (laughs) used to be a magician. That was That's true. Yeah, when he was like a, a young adult or in college or whatever, like he was really into magic. And like, yeah, I wonder if, you know, 
part of what gets him off is this concealment, you know, this magic trick that he plays on the audience. You know, I, I I couldn't really tell you though, but but what I I will say though at least, and maybe we'll get into this when we talk about episode six, is that the show is clearly aware that there are ethical dilemmas. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. to what it is now. Well, may, maybe this that- is maybe this is the other thing too. Is that like I don't know what it is. They're just as much as Sasha Baron Cohen might try at the end of it all. The he still kind of feels like he's he's the hero and he has taught you something. I feel mm. like Nathan is a little more self-deprecating, like genuinely oh, self-deprecating. Doesn't yes. love himself, doesn't want to be viewed as the hero, understands that what he's doing is kind of bad, but he's taking for also, something greater. We don't get a strong view of Nathan Fielder outside of his character. That is yeah. to say, we don't know if he's playing a character. It's sure. kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. There was um, a moment, though, in that finale... Where I looked in the guy's eyes and yeah, I fucking yeah. saw it. There when was he's talking th- to the little kid and he's yes. like, "There was something there." Or when he had a conversation with the mom, like there was genuine concern and it was being caught on camera here. Yeah, I agree. Yes. There was a moment where you caught a glimpse of it and you're like, "Oh yeah, this is kind of the character that he's playing, but it's a little more understated." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the the it's it's the portrait of someone as opposed to the caricature, and, yeah. and it looks kind of the same, but. Not all the not all the features are exactly to proportion, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to talk more about Robin here just briefly. Yes. Sorry, okay. um, there is just uh, now. I, I I do want to point out there is some limited context here. It's a screenshot of a conversation somebody's having with Robin on Instagram. Uh, but all we get is somebody writes, "Did you ever move out with your roommate?" And then Robin responds, "For sure, thank you, lol." That's responding to something previously, and then he says, "Yeah, I did." He died in a car accident. Shortly after, God what? provided a way for me to get out because it was no longer a peaceful environment. Uh, what? And that's all we have. Um, and scene. And oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and I just I love this top comment. It's like a Twitter. Uh, this is posted on on Twitter. The top comment here is just some guy who has a. A uh, Nathan Fielder like fake spam account called Men for Fielder with Nathan, <laughs> Nathan's face, and their comment is just rip. <laughs> and then somebody goes, "I just hope it wasn't a scion at 100 miles per hour." Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, it's oh, that's, that's what I'm so saying. Weird. This show has somehow continued outside of it. Yeah, it's there's. Oh my God! I mean, he's such a figure. I mean, he like he's he's a cult figure at this point, right? Like he could well, start a church, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's how sort of religious it is. A religious experience watching him. I mean, he's so <laughs> idiosyncratic. This guy, and he has such a specific worldview that you can tell just based on the reaction of this has resonated with people. I was recommended yes. this before you guys said we were going to watch it, so I yeah. guess that that's notable. You, I, I have a friend who does not go out of their way to talk to me. Like, I'm probably the last person they would go to. Nobody else they knew watched this show, and they were desperately like, Nick, do you watch the show? I need to talk to someone about this. <laughs> I, yeah, like, I need to get this off my chest. And oh, they were having troubling conversations. <laughs> like, just every episode that we saw, we're like, oh my god. <laughs> I- I want. I just wonder. I don't know. It seem, seems like a lot of people are just in, inherently compelled by the Charlie Kaufman types. Yeah. So, do you want to talk mm-hmm. about that connection real quick, Adam? Uh, oh, certainly. Um, 
Yeah, Nick. So there, there's, I, I, I guess I mentioned it. Did I mention this on, on air yet? Or was that before we started recording? I think it was before we started. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't feel this way at first. I got like glimmers of it, but it really started to come into fruition to me as to like how similar this is to a Charlie Kaufman film when we get to like the episodes where he is constructing his own construction of a construction of a construction and it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm like, yeah, this is- episode four in particular. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. This is- uh, it's it's sometimes it's almost identical to Synecdoche, New York. Yeah. It's, which is basically the same thing. <laughs> it's it's really, the same premise. Uh, so yeah. Charlie Coffin, we should say, uh, is a screenwriter and, and became a filmmaker. Synecdoche, New York was his directorial debut, but uh, he also wrote Being John Malkovich and Adaptation mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. He also wrote uh, a lot <laughs> okay. of like these meta, um, yeah. you know, sort of... Uh, Anxiety provoking, uh-huh. uh, very know, existential of, sometimes. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Th- those are some words I would use. Certainly. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, adaptation is. Have you seen adaptation, Nick? Oh no. Oh, oh Nick. Nick. If you, I think you, the you, only one of those I've seen is Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Nick. Like, it, it it is it is required work, required homework from for for your um Nicolas Cage fandom. It's you on the su- it's on the summer reading list. Yes. It's on okay. the syllabus before the course starts. Yeah, you have to watch the movie. <laughs> Nick, I you're mean, failing is, this class. It is the ur text <laughs> of why is this a thing? I mean, it all adaptation. Oh my is God, the, Meryl Streep is in this. Yeah, it's the best. It's such a good movie. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll say it's Nicolas Cage's best performance, aside from Pig. Maybe that or Pig. Yeah, aside from Pig, don't don't get carried away. He's playing I don't two know. characters. It, it, an adaptation, though. Adaptation's man. fucking good. Pig has a pig in it, dude. I mean, that is true. It does have a pig in it. Yeah. So yeah, adaptation <laughs> is is uh, Charlie Coffin was commissioned. Now, okay, uh, I'm really going back here. Start, sorry to get into the weeds, but uh, adaptation <laughs> is uh, uh, Charlie Coffin was commissioned to write a, a a script, a screenplay based on a book. What was the book called? Something about lilacs or something. It's the fl- Flower King or the Flower some, King, something I like d- that. Something like that. But yeah. it's it's like kind of like a. Like a, a bland romance about an aging woman or whatever. Um, and Charlie Kaufman started writing a, a treatment and he realized that he had no ideas. So <laughs> he wrote a movie about himself writing the movie. And yes. Charlie Kaufman is played by Nicolas Cage in the movie. <laughs> yep. uh, and it's this whole meta exercise. So whatever. It, 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 uh, who did it, I think it won Best Screenplay at the Oscars. Did it? Yeah, a member of the cast also won. Did Chris, Chris Cooper. Cooper? Chris, Chris Cooper, Cooper won Best Supporting won. Actor yeah. that year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. got, I mean, Meryl's great in it and Cage is great in it. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, yeah, he makes this movie Synecdoche, New York in 2007 starring Philip Seymour Hoffman and he also directs the movie. And it is one of the great movies I've ever seen in my life. Like, it is it is such a Nico movie. It, oh my it's, God. It's obscene. One of the most, but also one of the more difficult film experiences you could possibly have, I would say. Yeah. Not a pleasant experience, ex- not exactly anyway. Sometimes it is, but most of the time, no, it is not. And a lot of it is because of these, just, again, it's like questions that I never think to ask myself, and frankly, I don't care to ask myself, but mm. they drive you nuts when you're situated in that world and you don't quite know how to stop and you're just going deeper and deeper and deeper into what it all means. 
and it's it's a trip. <laughs> you might like it, Nick. Honestly, uh, yeah, if you, I, I'm sure I will. So Philip Seymour yeah. Huffman plays a theater director who wants to uh, uh, direct a play about his life. Yes, and he's obsessed with this idea of immersion. Oh, that's right. That's and he's right. obsessed we with this idea this, yeah. of of recreation, of like painstaking recreation to every detail, and eventually he builds an entire life size replica of New York City. <laughs> complete with you know you know background actors just going about their daily life and it's this idea you know this this sort of this philosophical existential question about what is art is art truly representation is it just copying what you see in the world or mm-hmm. is there lying is there deception involved and yes. you know where do you draw the line between art and reality and it's also this stunning rumination on aging oh my god uh, yeah. and that and that's one of the things too that the rehearsal gets at because it's playing around with the idea of aging and the well, kids. I, aging I also think and... it's incredibly intentional that Nathan let his hair go gray for yeah. this show. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Had, sure. Yeah. I, I absolutely. I, there's no reason that he couldn't have his hair stay black. Dye it. I, I actually would not be surprised if he dyed it gray. I would nah. be either. That's a good point. I would not be surprised at all. But then um, you get to like the mirror scenes. Where oh, he's the digital, which was just the, f- I, I, again, like there's a lot of things in this show where it's like, yeah, I didn't really see that coming. No, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> it's just the weirdest creative idea I could have thought of. Uh, it's so good. So funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Episode four is probably what we should talk about next. That one is again, fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Um, two things going on in this episode. Uh, one is, by this point, after things with Robin did not work out, Nathan has sort of proposed to Angela that maybe he could be the father figure in this experiment. Uh, and he tells the audience that, you know, he also has some curiosity about what he would be like as a father. Yeah. And um, that was, I think, episode three where that happens. So episode four, he is um, he has a new subject and um, he decides to create a acting class where he is pra- where he's practicing the fielder method which is this rehearsal <laughs> to become a better actor and so he has each of these students in his acting class literally pick a random person off the street and fucking stalk them <laughs> <laughs> and he has them come back to the next class and tell me as much intimate details about this person that you could learn as possible mm. and Get those details. However, you have people who are like, you know, I stalked them on the Internet and found out where their sister lives or, you know, very things that would not be okay in normal everyday conversation. And these Mm. people are going along with it. Mm. One student is having trouble getting information and he's proposing, well, the way you can get information is, you know, when you're at the restaurant ordering your food that they're serving you, drop your food all over everything. So they have to come and help you clean it up so you can start a conversation like things that are just (laughs) Nobody would be comfortable doing anything. <laughs> no. It's crazy. Meanwhile, this is where the episode gets crazy. This is the yep. Kaufman stuff. Um, in order to get in this student's shoes, the one who's having trouble, to figure out why he's having trouble, he decides to set up a fake class that is his class full of actors who are playing all of the people in his class. <laughs> Nathan plays his student and he hires another guy to play Nathan. Right. Yeah. Because he, he reruns through every class after the class from mm-hmm. the student's point of view mm-hmm. to figure he, out 
is this working? He well, he wants to also understand. That I think the the actor's name is Tom, and he's he's a little frustrated that Tom isn't quite getting there. He's not quite opening up. So he's like, well, maybe maybe I could learn something if I put myself in Tom's shoes and just examine myself. So I hired right. an actor to play me, and so on and so <laughs> forth. And I love. I gotta say, this crew. You you uh, I don't think you guys actually caught I don't think Nico caught this when I when I initially told him but they come back over and over again in this show. <laughs> yes. It's great. It's Yeah, great. they pop up as background actors and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'll get into later more but um so his student Tom who's having trouble um he basically tells him, well, you know, figure out more about this guy and they learn where he lives. Like, oh yeah, he lives here. He has some roommates. Um and so Nathan buys him an apartment and tells him and gets him a job at a similar place and tries to have him live as close to that life as possible. <laughs> and then when he goes to relive the class as Tom, the Nathan that he hired tells him to do the same thing. And then he has rented another apartment. And so he's now. It is so significant. So now New Nathan York. is living. <laughs> literally happens in that movie. It does. <laughs> We're like, so now so, Nathan is living in a new apartment and working as a pizza guy or whatever it was. It's the most insane shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like literally, for example, Nick, in Synecdoche, New York, there'll be like a scene where they're trying to cast this person and it doesn't quite go well. And then the movie proceeds, you know, scenes right. later. And then to, you know, as Philip Seymour Hoffman's process, you know, continues, he wants to check on the scene where we were trying to cast that one guy and it didn't go quite so well and so on and so forth. Just that level of insanity. It's great. It's great. <laughs> so so that's the whole first half of the episode is this. It's just getting deeper and deeper, deeper into and deeper. insanity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the yep. second half of the same fucking episode is Nathan going home to Angela realizing the kid while he's been gone working on this other project has aged up 10 years and so he's missed 10 years of this kid's life (laughs) (laughs) but he comes home and the kid's like hey dad and he doesn't like the way it feels so he's like can we rerun this but as if i'm a deadbeat dad who's coming home after 10 years of not being here (laughs) it's good stuff and so he has this actor who is now like 16 or whatever act as if uh Nathan is a deadbeat dad who's just coming home mm-hmm. and uh, the kid becomes, you know, rebellious, troubled, gets involved with drugs and sex and things like that. And he basically subjects Angela to this for it's no terrible. reason, for his own selfish reasons. He wants to experience this. And uh, to the point that eventually, yeah, he has the kid fucking over- fake overdose. They call EMTs. And this is the point part that I caught that. You didn't catch that I mentioned to you. Those EMTs who are bringing the kid away were from his acting class. <laughs> Some of the same fucking people. Oh, no. Um, and and they're so remember Angela earlier said she had drug problems when she was younger. And now she's basically reliving it through this kid. And it is just horrible and fucked up. And Angela never likes Nathan from then on. Suspiciously. Yeah. No, as she shouldn't. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> And in the next episode, Nathan almost tries to, like, reframe her dislike for him as, like, a religious issue. As anti-Semitism, yes. Which is, oh like, God. not at all what it is. No. Yeah. yeah. Although, definitely. I, I will say, on the topic of anti-Semitism, I can't tell you 
how funny it was to me personally when she said her favorite filmmaker was Mel Gibson. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that was really good. Oh my god, that was one of those moments where I was like, maybe this is scripted. I was like, like it's how? such a good answer. I mean, it's such a perfect you, punchline. You cannot write that. I'm like, yeah. How do you? How do you find this person? I think that person? was just a happy little accident. I really do. But no less, it's not. I it's mean, like, Bob Ross has never had an accident that happy before, Nick. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> it really. Has. <laughs> but then it was funny for a different reason why why her favorite Mel Gibson film for some reason was Apocalypto. She loved Apocalypto. <laughs> it wasn't even Passion of the Christ. It wasn't Passion of well, the Christ. To the, also, to the point that they named this episode Apocalypto. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the episode where things get so bad with Angela because he keeps pushing yep. that He's picking she up leaves. the scab there in, in terms oh, yeah. of all the Jewish stuff. She leaves oh, the show. Too. By this um yeah sure as she should have uh, yeah he he basically starts saying well i want to raise my kid jewish since i'm jewish even though he's not a practicing jew right. at no. all he doesn't go to he doesn't go to temple <laughs> but one uh, of the best lines in the show <laughs> when he brings the kid to temple he basically is like the kids asking him questions he's like yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the one of the greatest laughs i, I had in the yeah. show uh, uh I, I haven't gone to synagogue in years because it's so boring <laughs> It's the best. I think my favorite was, you know, Angela explicitly says, like, I don't want to raise my kid Jewish because I'm a Christian and I want my kid to be Christian. And then he secretly takes the kid out and he's like, the, the kid asks about his hat and he's like, oh, this is a hat that only only Jewish people get to wear this hat. It's uh, special just for Jews. And he goes, Christians don't get to wear fun hats. He goes, so are you a Christian or are you a Jew? <laughs> And the kid's just like, he wants the hat. Jew! <laughs> I'm a Jew. Great. Here's the hat. One like, of the funniest parts of that episode, too, is when he was sneaking the, the, the kid to the Jewish class. And he was uh, doing it under the guise of swimming lessons. Oh, yeah. So he, right? he was wetting the kid down. Like, he, t- he took the he kid took into the, the, kid shower in the shower to make it look like he had just gotten out of the pool. Soaks him in his fucking clothes. <laughs> And the the Jewish teacher is like, why do you keep soaking this boy after every class? (laughs) (laughs) It took her like three classes to even ask about it. (laughs) Yeah, I like, yeah, the religious stuff. I don't know. It's 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 always going to be a fine line of what did these people actually believe and what is Nathan leading them to Mm -hmm. believe, you know? Um, Right. But you know, the, it was that episode was still really funny, and and yep. the the ending with the Israel debate too. <gasps> he got in a debate with the uh, the Jewish teacher. I I thought was that was really good, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also so fucked up. Like yeah. this guy, man, he's such a menace. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it's so fucking good. And then episode six. Here it is. Uh, he, he's raising the child by himself now. Mm. And he goes back to the beginning because he missed out so much with the older kid. <laughs> so, um, so they do this 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 funny um, visual gag where the older kid goes down a a playground slide and comes out the other end a younger kid. Yeah, but then they cut back and they show the older kid climbing out of the slide. Yeah, climbing <laughs> yeah, back out great. of the slide, and he's like looking at the cameras like. We did that. Good? Good? <laughs> but that's what I so find fun. so funny about this show is that it, it has these brilliant ideas that are meant to be more immersive, but it also recognizes how inherently stupid it is. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of love about it. Like 
it is true to itself, as we were saying before, it's true to itself and it's bold and it's innovative, but it's also unsure of if it should even exist. Like it's constantly cutting itself down at the same time. You know, there was another yeah. shot in the last episode where um, they uh, or I think this is in the fifth episode where it, it, it's the holidays. Winter is coming. So they're like pouring fake snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But they're just like, turns out it's very expensive <laughs> to, right. to make it snow for, in fucking summertime. Well, for me, it's it's the overhead drone shot. As you see, you, it's closer on the house. So it looks like, you know, they're completely surrounded by snow. And then the drone just goes up and up and up and up. And then you see it's just this little plot of snow. Right. It's just bullshit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or you have great. the garden that you have. They're going in overnight and planting. Oh, planting. The yeah, food. they're planting <laughs> fully grown tomatoes. <laughs> So that you can actually have a, a feeling of seasons changing. Um, even with the kids, like child actors are not allowed to act for more than like th- three hours a day or something. So they're swapping out children through the window. <laughs> it is the weirdest they, shit. They like put the kid down for a nap and then a yeah. guy opens the window with a ladder, takes the kid out, puts him. They're going to the birthday party. These kids are waiting and they hand the kid a present and they go, all right, this is your mom. And they just put him in the car with the random person, drive up to the party. Mm. It's the length they go. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It really is an insane absurd. show. <laughs> um, <sighs> but episode six here is the one where we really break down the wall. Yeah. Because there's a real problem now. Yeah. Um, one of the children who is meant to play Adam, the fake child that they're raising, that Angela and him are raising. Oh, my God. His name is Adam, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. Does this answer a lot of questions for us? Uh. <laughs> we haven't mentioned that yet. No. <laughs> this uh, wow. this fake child in real life <laughs> yep. does not have a father either, and uh, he begins to believe that Nathan really is his father. And outside of the home too, he's he or outside of the fake home, I should say, at home, real home, he says, "My daddy loves me." And they cut to footage of Nathan saying, "Like I love you, Adam." And this kid almost starts to realize or forget that his name isn't Adam as well. Yeah. This kid is very young. Yeah, five, I think. I think he's playing six, but according to the tweets from his mother ahead of time or uh, afterwards, um, yeah, he was five at the time of filming. Five, doesn't have a father, starting to recognize that other kids do have fathers. Mm -hmm. And he starts to really slip into the delusion quite a bit. To the point that Nathan has to kind of go over there and be like, you know, I'm not really your dad. Like, we're playing make pretend. Like, mm-hmm. we're acting. Do you know what acting is? And and it's very heartbreaking. Yeah, he had not quite grasped the concept of acting. He didn't know what acting was. Yeah. And one of the reasons I actually kind of had to leave the Nathan business posting was a very there was a very toxic conversation about people blaming the mother people people defending the mother it was just very ugly it's a cesspool and, man no i'm telling you this rehearsal discourse man there's just because here's the problem and well and people were also arguing that nathan blames the mother and oh, i know there's a specific not, moment yeah. but that's not at all I think people misinterpreted that. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with that. I, um, I, yeah. Well, there's the whole role playing exercise, much like HBO's uh, Game of Thrones. There's a lot of warring factions <laughs> in the rehearsal discourse. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people with very specific opinions. They're either Nathan Bros or they're skeptics. 
Uh, there are a lot of women that find Nathan Fielder to be insanely attractive. Hmm. Uh, that's a, that's a whole other subsection. A lot of Nathan sexuals out what? there. Fielder sexual. Oh yeah, <laughs> really? That doesn't make any sense. I'm Absolutely. sorry. Absolutely. A lot of Fielder sexuals out there. A lot of uh, yeah. A lot of very strong opinions about this guy and about this show. Mm. Wow. I've I've stayed away from that shit. Yeah, you're just no. you're just making me think back to Finding Francis when Nathan has uh like almost an actual sexual relationship with an escort Correct. on camera that he paid. Correct. <laughs> what? <laughs> Adam, he hires an escort for the Bill Gates impersonator, right? Uh-huh. Because he wanted to see how the Bill Gates impersonator would act around women. Because he's starting to get a hunch that he's not being told the whole truth. The Bill Gates impersonator. <laughs> it turns out the Bill Gates impersonator was never a Bill Gates impersonator. What? Well, that yeah, yeah, that's a whole thing. Uh, but anyways, he he hires his escort, and the Bill Gates impersonator says, "No, I don't want to hang out with an escort." So Nathan's like, "Well, I already paid her, so I spent the day with her," and to the point that he like calls her back a second time. And a third time, and they start going out on dates. Yeah, they end up like holding hands. It's like very strange. He kisses her in a hotel room, and it's super <laughs> uncomfortable to watch. What the fuck is it's this? Fucking hilarious. Oh my God. Um, do yourself a favor, my friend. Finding Francis. <laughs> yeah. All right. Also Holy on shit. HBO Max. Also on HBO Max. Yeah, Nathan's sexual. That's a new one. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that's definitely uh, in there, yeah. Uh, so, okay, let me ask you guys a question about this final episode, because there mm. were, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of uh, a lot of very uh, strong opinions shared on the Internet. Is there a version of this episode that would have been better than the version that we got? And by that, I don't mean just turn the cameras off and scrap everything with the little kid. But is there a way to tell this story that would have been more delicate and more sensitive and more ethical? No, <laughs> I don't think I so mean, either. I think only, he got the best version that that. That's yes, possible. I would agree. I think the only questionable bit, but again, this is Nathan's ethos is take the bit and push it further and push it further. Yeah, in the way that he can, right? Like to keep working with that young kid would have been obviously unethical across the line. That would have yeah. been too much. But the fact that when he role plays as the mother. And he has the other another kid who's playing Adam, who's older and much more aware of what's going on, mm-hmm. play this younger kid. And he reruns through like this mother as if she was having the kid go to a show. A lot of people at one point, he kind of as the mother says, like, maybe I shouldn't have let you do this. Maybe this is a bad idea. People took that as Nathan blaming the mother. Mm. Yeah, this was clearly an exercise of Nathan getting into someone else's point of view and clearly really more of Nathan blaming himself. I would say the concept of the show to begin with the entire, no, definitely. Yeah. It was, it was him saying maybe children shouldn't be involved in this. Like, yeah, maybe that was the unethical. He found the line. Right. I mean, what a fascinating thing though, to watch on cameras is finding a comedian, discover the line. Right. (laughs) How many times have we seen that? It's like him and Michael Richards at the Laugh Factory. (laughs) Oh, God. That's it. Jeez Louise. Those Uh, are the only two examples I can think of. You're putting Nathan Fielder up there with the the, the (laughs) son of a bitch. With Kramer? (laughs) The Kramer. Hang in there, Kramer. The meltdown. (laughs) There ain't going to be a next time, Kramer. (laughs) Um, No, I mean, it really is amazing. Like, And that's what I, I mean. Like, 
There's a moment where he breaks down. He has a conversation with the mom that is unlike any interaction I have seen Nathan Fielder ever have on camera before, where he is actually having a, a conversation. He's engaged in a fact-finding mission here. That's mm-hmm. not normally what Nathan does. Nathan normally, like, it is it, everything he does is performative. And this is the one time where I'm like, oh, no, this what you're claiming to be doing here is actually what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, like, he doesn't try to make a joke at the kid's expense, doesn't try to make a joke at the mom's expense, and I can see some serious regret. Now, again, he takes it to the natural extreme, and it, sure. it, 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 it's, you know, a little disingenuous to be like, yeah, I'm having a really hard time, like, uh, working through this ethical dilemma, but I'm going to do it by uh, wearing a wig on my HBO show. <laughs> like, that's... That's how I'm going to get to the bottom of this existential truth is by. I, but you know what? You the, know, this episode needed. It, it, needed le- it needed levity, to be honest with you. It did. Oh, yeah. It did. But um, is he actually. I think the I levity of that, of those moments kind of fell flat. I think that that was probably a little weaker than it could have been, but I'm not sure what else he could have done. Hmm. Um, to be clear, I think it ends in an incredible moment. Yes. yes, I think so the last I. scene is like profound. It's, mm-hmm. it's really incredible. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I think that there is something to this this incident that occurs in a way for the theme of most of the show is sort of a happy accident because the whole point of the rehearsal is God having a child is scary and uncertain. What do you do? So that's the whole point of practicing, right? And this horrible incident actually happens with a real child. And he asks the mother, is the child going to be okay? And she says, yeah, he'll be fine. And he goes, how do you know? And she goes, I just know. And that. No, she says, I see a lot in me. I see a lot of me in him. Well, that that too. Yeah. But but my my point of, whoa, I don't I don't think that's the most important line, honestly. Uh-huh. I think that I think that I just know because that is the absolute and uh, antithesis of yes, it is. the point of the show. Mm-hmm. You don't know. That's right. why he's rehearsing. And right. she says, I just know. Yeah, right. That's what and, that's what Nathan's trying to get to the bottom of basically the entire time. Like how and he even says, like, well, how do you know? And he's actually concerned. And, and the whole, it, right. The yeah. whole point of being uncertain about raising a kid. And she just she's just going into it blind. And she says it's going to be fine. Yeah. That right there is the most beautiful moment. That is the for me the whole show summed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just have to know. On some level, you just have to know. You can't. The only way out is through. You know, yeah, like right. the, like the only way out of this mess is that you you go through it and you live in the moment. I mean that. And, that's, and to, yeah, to a degree, I get why people are like, oh, blame the parent because you know parents shouldn't be putting their children in acting situations, putting them on TV like that's unhealthy. And there's a lot of cases of that. And sure, whatever, but. To a degree, blaming this mother is also like blaming a mother when their child scrapes their knee. Like this is <laughs> right. something like kids go through. Uh, kids go through trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All kids go through trauma. All kids. Yes. Sure. Right. Yeah, they do. And that's sort of, you know, this is just one moment of this kids experiencing some trauma. But yeah, it's, it is, be okay. it's, a, it's a tough needle to thread, though, because it it's, is. It's, it is. it's taking shots at child actors. And the practice of child acting. And it's kind of hard to throw child acting under the bus without throwing the parents under the bus, too. It is. It's hard. Now, I think the the show does as good a job as it can at doing that. But 
Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's it's complicated, man. It's like, you know, you're lampooning child acting by using a slightly older child actor. I, I like that oh. older child actor, by the way. Yeah, he was I love great. that Nathan's Just a like total so, pro. Oh, he's great. He really yeah. Nathan would ask him like, "How do you think things are going?" He would ask the kid like serious opinions, like, "How's the scene?" And I love that the kid would just be like, "You're a great scene partner." I was just about <laughs> to say that. I was like, that. the fact that he used the the, the term "scene partner," I'm like, "This Every is a to- this is a <laughs> fucking actor right here." <laughs> the kid's like nine. Ten. This guy exactly. belongs on a stage with James Lipton. <laughs> like What's he was your favorite curse with, word, kid? What, th- this, what little, you, this, this little twerp was like like acting with like Timothy Chalamet in off Broadway theater and crap like that. He's definitely, that kind of dude. yeah, yeah, dude. This fucking what did you kid think lives about, in a loft in Soho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what did you think about like the twenty year old he had play five year old Adam? One one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen is the guy smoking a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. That was a perfect shot. <laughs> yeah. He had this twenty-year-old little onesie. Yeah, <laughs> this twenty-year-old guy, and Something he would run wasn't quite like, right. <laughs> I love you, Daddy, and he would climb on top of Nathan. He's like the same height as Nathan. <laughs> oh God! I God damn, dude, it's such a good show. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you guys have more to say about the show, but I I, I do want to talk about the future of the rehearsal. Yeah, let's bit. let's talk big picture for a second. So oh, we should also mention the the ending. Sure. Uh, so he goes to this entire rehearsal or recreation in order to find out if he did something wrong or or if he could have done something better. And he's in this role playing exercise. He is the mother of the traumatized child, and the nine year old child is playing the traumatized five year old child. And so in this exercise, he's supposed to be playing a mom. And by the end of it, he ends up saying to the child, I'm your dad. And it's this very uncomfortable moment where they share like a a hug. And it seems like Nathan has kind of gotten to the bottom of something here. He's cracked some code, but also... Like there's something deeply perverse going on underneath the surface. Like, well, it's also incredibly unclear, like what he figured out. Yeah, it's very. It, yeah, I mean, obviously like you the, can tell the, he figured something out. Yeah, the idea <laughs> you have to live in the moment like we get that. But there, there's this weird note at the end that sort of undercuts it where he I, I, like I, I don't know if I have a, 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 a like a, a complete read on it. Well, but I, I think it's. There's something like, yeah, you have to live in the moment and be your true self and access all your emotions. But some of those emotions might be fucked up. Like, so, <laughs> like you just have to deal with that it's messy. And that's sort of, I thought, what that note at the end was. Like, it's not a grace note. It's not a happy moment. It's like a moment of, oh, this guy, like, he's learned something, but he's also disturbed. Whatever the character <laughs> Nathan, whatever this Nathan Fielder character is, you know? I mean, I, I just kind of read it as like, like the, it's, I mean, fictional, fictional or not, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he, the, the idea is that the character Nathan Fielder is playing was sort of finally caught off guard and, and was able to sort of recognize that he made the mistake and that this whole exercise really wasn't worth it kind of in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, to, the, him saying like, no, I, I'm your dad to me was just him reconciling with the fact that, oh, my God, I don't know. Like, it's, it's sort of a what have I done kind of moment. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I think a that great, it was a great line, but like it is still, a great line. Yeah, it's. it's so I, I kind of it's took so it as him <laughs> finally stepping away from this rehearsal method and saying this doesn't fucking work. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why am I pretending to be a mom? 
Like, why am I pretending <laughs> to be this mom? Right. It's ridiculous and it's yeah. not helpful. In fact, the <laughs> final shot is him getting up from the ground and you can see his ass crack. I know. Yeah, I was like, yes. Okay. Because <laughs> he's in clothing that fits too tight because he's wearing women's clothing. And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's it, like, what is this? Yeah, where the facade it's sort of breaks for, down. It's weird for such a brilliant show to end on like an ass joke. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. But it works. In a way it does. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's this thing. So, but yeah, you're right. He he comes to a conclusion. He's learned something. He realizes that the rehearsal as a concept is deeply flawed and uh, should probably be abandoned. But <laughs> HBO has renewed it for season two, and there will be right. more. Yeah. I would imagine it will be dramatically different. I imagine so too. It's yeah. weird. Like it's the kind of arc. The whole Angela arc is kind of something you would expect out of season five of a show like this. <laughs> You know, yeah. you you imagine that, and that because that's what Nathan for you was. Nathan for you was very rigid in its structure, and then as it went along, it got more experimental and free flowing, and yeah, like I I don't know what else they really have to say. Like it would be kind of weird if the next season started and it was just another bar trivia guy, you know, trying to reconcile <laughs> well, his 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 fraudulent yeah. college. Degree, I, I, you know? I kind of get the impression that everything with Angela was meant to be one episode. And it just yes. turned into a lot more. Right, oh, yeah. right, right. Exactly. Uh, the show does kind of blindside you by the first episode being about one guy. The second yeah. episode <laughs> being about this one person. And then suddenly it's like to be continued. Yeah. And then just yeah. the rest of the show is about that. Yeah. yeah. It, it kind of throws you for a loop. Um, I don't totally see how you continue this show. Me neither. <laughs> unless he comes back with the Fielder Method 2.0 and doubles down even harder. Right. I mean. Oh man, maybe if it's just, That's, if it's, he, he tries to separate himself from the whole process and let other people take it over while he just examines it. I don't know. I don't know. I will I, say I'd, I'd love to see that act, that actor, they just a, on a, on a more superficial note. I just fucking loved the actor that was playing Nathan. Oh every, my, yeah. Just, I could not stop laughing at every little <laughs> intonation he was making, every little hand gesture, every little head nod. Yes, it's going to be. It, it was so he fucking was my funny. favorite. Yeah, that was, it won't so play funny. on the podcast, but Adam nailed his mannerisms there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was the funniest thing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It was so funny. It was yeah, so good. I, I, I truly don't know. I'm sure he has a take. I'm sure he's got a take. I'm sure he pitched HBO on the take, and I'm sure they're into it. If his plan is to have a real child by then, he has time. But (laughs) not much. Sure does. (laughs) I I don't know if this is going to be next on his his docket, though. He has a Safdie Brothers collaboration coming out on Showtime. Mm -hmm. Uh, Safdie Brothers behind Uncut Gems and Good Time and whatever. Uh, He he co-wrote this show. And I think he's directing all the episodes of it. Wow. And it stars Emma Stone. Uh, That's and, a big and gig. And Benny Safdie. Oh. Benny Safdie wow. and Emma Stone star in it. And it's about, I, I imagine it's some, some sort of meta text, but it's about a woman who has a mental breakdown while filming her HGTV show. You oh know, my God. something a little bit understated about Nathan is how good he is with the camera. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Very, actually, yeah. very understated, but he understands filmmaking. He's a good Absolutely. filmmaker. He Absolutely. is. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would never deny that. No. 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 It's yeah. just, He's but great, it's not. Yeah. It's not the first thing you think of when you watch any of his work. No. 
No, but he's, um, he's a good storyteller, though, man. He's just an excellent storyteller. He's a good storyteller, and he has a lot of good visual ideas, and he's able to communicate, like, really sad and profound comedy through visuals. And, like, yes. like yeah. that's what's amazing about him. Like, you know, people, the comedy is tragedy plus time. I mean, that's a cliche or whatever, but, I mean, if, if you want a lesson in that, just watch Nathan Fielder's stuff. Like, he really, he, he gets to just like rolling on the floor comedy <laughs> he's, through obscene stuff i mean just oh, through like horrible tragedy he's kind of what i've always wanted judd apatow to be yeah yeah well i think yeah <laughs> right sure i mean i want everyone to be nathan you know yes I, oh god is, but is then there, there would be no nathan <laughs> no nico let me ask you a better question you you don't want to if if it's if you had to pick everyone's uh nathan or everyone's able who do you pick Abel Ferrara? Yeah. Oh, I mean, Abel's more fun to get a drink with. I, okay. I mean, I couldn't stand being around Nathan, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it would just even be horrible. I think part of, what, part of what makes Nathan enjoyable is the fact that there's a separation of a camera between you and him. Definitely. Yeah. And that he's in another time zone. It can never get to me. Yep. Right. <laughs> right. Um, is there a world where the rehearsal season two comes out and doesn't acknowledge any of the flaws of season one? Like, doesn't acknowledge what happened at the end? I don't think so. I don't. So how do you keep going? I don't understand. Nathan's stuff is constantly in conversation with itself. Yeah. This is clearly a level up from Nathan for you. You know what I mean? Like, this show does not exist hermetically sealed from Nathan for you. That's true. I, I think, no, I think. He probably builds on. I wouldn't want him to just do the show that they had planned. It would certainly undercut a lot of what makes this show so special. Yeah, though. I wouldn't. It, I it, wouldn't want that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would want something that's just more more free flowing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Na- uh, we did so, forget to mention, by the way, ahead. actually, really brief. Just um, the guy who uh, was trying to get his brother to, you know, give him the money so he could like finish mourning over his grandfather and yes, um, all that. That guy just leaves one day and just never comes back. And we never actually get any closure as to if he ever had the talk with his brother, if he caught on to the fact that he was being played by Nathan. Mm-hmm. We really don't know what happened. And he hasn't spoken up on social media? Not that I know of. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen anything either. Maybe I think did. that he – I think that Nathan pushed a little too hard and that guy was a little too smart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Compared to a lot of the other people in the show. I think he caught on that something was not right. Yeah. Did some research and just decided this is not for me and just ducked, ducked out just of the project. But maybe he had to talk with his brother. It was a very cathartic moment where he has the conversation with the actor. Very. Yeah, yeah that's a profound moment. Uh, too. So maybe he maybe he got what he needed out of it, actually. Talked yeah. to his brother and moved on. Who knows? That's what it felt like. Yeah. That's what Nathan made it feel like, to be clear. Nathan <laughs> yeah. made it feel like, oh, this worked just off camera. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know yeah, if yeah, I buy yeah, that. Yeah, 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 he just spun right. his narrative. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. So, Adam, uh, exit interview here. You, you had never experienced any Nathan stuff. You watched an entire season of the rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, final thoughts. Is this a guy that you're going to continue to follow? Do you find him as brilliant as nick and i do were you disturbed like like is this everything you expected and more how do you how are you feeling 
Oh, it sucks. I hate the show, dude. The terrible show. Let's move on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've been, I've been pretty glowing. I loved it. I actually loved it. I was surprised by how much I loved it. I thought it was incredibly, uh, ins- it's just, you know, it's, it's bonkers, man. I love a good yeah. insane trip, but it's also incredibly touching and introspective. It's and not just pointless. No, no, not pointless at all. It's it's this really r- revealing thing that kind of catches you off guard. Uh, and it's just this, this, uh, uh, boy, it's just like really, really quality, absurdist storytelling that I'm, I'm more than okay with that, you know, I didn't expect to go as deep as it did. So in that way, it was a very pleasant surprise. So mm. yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to engage in the discourse on it like online or anything. I don't need to, I'm not sure I need to research this guy, but I'm very happy to see what other stuff he comes up with. If it can, if it can uncover the level of goodness (laughs) that this stuff uncovers. I I find it very bizarre how for years I've been saying that Nathan is a horrible person. And I think it's really weird how now with his new show, he's doubled down. He's put more money into it and he's put even more of a spotlight on these people and he's putting them in even more horrible situations, leaving even more bodies in his wake. And yet, I like him more. <laughs> like, I feel like the rehearsal is ten times more unethical than Nathan for you. And yet, I find it a hundred times more meaningful. And uh, I can't... It's it's bizarre. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know which one I like more. I I, I feel like they're, they're, they're cut from Nathan the same Nathan for you is a lot more disposable. This yeah. is a lot more... You have to well, watch six more, episodes It's more entertaining, definitely. Like, it's well, I'm saying you, this is this is a show. Yes. Nathan for you is episodes. This yeah. is a show. Yeah, I feel like, they're again, they're... they're they're so they they share so much of the DNA. It's kind of like separating Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Like it's, there's no real point. But they're distinctly different. Yeah, they are, and much like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are. I, right. I just don't think you have one without the other, and I think they're both aimed in the same direction. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Hopefully, this is just another small stepping stone in his right. larger career. Right. I do want to see him do more scripted stuff, though. That, yeah, me that I want to see. Yeah. That I definitely want to see. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm waiting for him to like direct his you know you know his absurdist comedy that I go into a theater and see. Yes, you know? I want to see that. Nathan on the big screen. Yes, it's I'm not, not just sure the the he, uh, the disaster artist. Yeah. I'm not sure the big screen is really where he plays best. To be honest with you. <laughs> oh, I think I, I think, think at home fills, television I think he fills the silver screen. <laughs> I think that 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 uh, graying hair. I think just that just sparkles, man. Mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What if the entire next season of the rehearsal, uh, he's not in it, just the actor who plays him is doing the show? <laughs> That's a great idea. Like, what if what if it's just they're doing the show that HBO initially signed up for, and he's the real Nathan is directing it, but the fake Nathan is just the one in front of the camera the whole time? We did leave that character, technically. It's, it is it is a whole new character, and we he just kind of goes off. We don't see him again, so maybe. That wouldn't shock me. <laughs> no, that's a great idea. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, all right, this was a good talk. Let's play a game. Nathan, what do we think? Okay. We know how much HBO has spent on that full-size replica bar. 
But did you yeah. see, did you see his apartment? It's a small apartment. Assuming right. that's actually his apartment. Well, probably isn't. <laughs> if it is though, it's probably a small apartment in Los Angeles or Manhattan. Mm. Okay. So probably Los Angeles if I had to guess. So, yeah. I, you know, small apartment in Los Angeles can still go for quite a bit. Uh, yes. Definitely. Not sure he's worth that <laughs> much the though. Case. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sure. I, but I, I'm just saying don't underestimate him either here. Well, maybe I am underestimating him then because I was going to go 10 million. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm hoping that humanity has not given him too much money. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like giving Lex Luthor, like, enough money to to, to buy kryptonite. I gotta oh, be boy. honest with you. Yeah. He has proven that he knows how to balance a budget, though. That is true. <laughs> he did graduate from he does, Canada's top business school. <laughs> he does very good spend grades. a lot, but he doesn't spend more than he has. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, I'll say five million. I'll go even lower. Five and ten? Right. Yes. Uh I'll go high. I'll say twenty-two million. Oh my god. I'm boxed in. I gave him space. The actual net worth. Nathan Fielder. Four million dollars. Oh. That means I just won this week's edition of how many Drew carries? Okay, now over under. Did each episode cost more or less than his net worth? <laughs> oh, I think comfortably more. more. I think way yeah, more. I would, right? I would say so. Yeah, definitely. I think you got to remember. There's so much fucking footage. Like, there's going to be an entire probably, server room at Warner Brothers just devoted to this footage. This mm-hmm. show probably cost upwards of $60 trillion. If I had $60 trillion? I that's yes, probably, that's about... Yeah. It's probably a pretty good guess. We could have uh, forgiven all our student loans on this this thing's budget. You also have to think of... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so that's where my money went. <laughs> <laughs> to Nathan Fielder's pockets. Uh, to the, the, one of the best business schools in Canada. That's right. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, yep. should we, I, I, think, uh, I think we're due for another uh, draft, by the way. Uh, okay. I would like... Have, I, I'm in the mood for a draft. Do you have a name in mind? Ooh. Nathan. Nathan. Ooh, a Nathan draft? Have we done a Nate draft? Nathan Hale. Nathan Hale. Oh, man. Natty Ice. Natty. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Um, How many Nates are there? Are Natasha's? Sure. I'll take Sure. I'm not sure that has enough legs. Have we done Steve yet? I don't think so. No, a Steve draft. Yeah, let's let's do Steve. I'm down Steve. for a Steve draft. Yeah. Lots of Steves. Sure, right. sure are. Steve. Okay, right. Steven Universe. Mm. <laughs> What's right? What? Right. No, nothing. No, just, there's no joke. No, it's Steven. No, Universe. just right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a good Nathan moment right there that you and I just shared. <laughs> Is that a high is that a high school joke? For, for no. in between you guys? I'm like, is no, this another no. Lord Steve thing? Oh the Lord Steve? The Lord whole, Steve. Don't go there. Lord it's Steve, just, there we go. The, the bit, oh, is your dead. The bit has been killed. He's been right, buried. Right. He's in a graveyard somewhere. <laughs> Lord Steve is you six dig feet up underground. Some, go dig up some podcasts from Nico ten years ago and you'll learn all about the Lord Steve. Yeah, you're a friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> oh, do I have to draft Lord Steve on the fucking <laughs> in the Steve you drive? Might. You might. 
Just to keep this dead bit alive. <laughs> Resurrect that zombie. Yeah. Uh, all right. Steve Draft coming next week. Um, and do we have stuff planned for September? Uh, we <sighs> Were we ever going to do um, Last Airbender? Because we... Okay. You know, yeah, we got to do that. You got to watch Avatar, but yeah, you have to I watch see, well, the whole okay, show. Okay, okay, but that that means we have to record. We have to release the episode on the twenty first of September. Very important. Okay, got it. Yes, the the no night questions asked. The what? The the night of September. That's correct. Right. No, I, I mean I don't know what you're referring to, but I I trust. Uh, you're not. <laughs> That, that I'm surprised you logic. don't know what I'm talking about. Dude. I, I'm I'm trying to keep the bit going here, but all right, okay. all right. I mean, I I get it. It's uh, I would hope you get it. It's an Earth, Wind, and Fire thing. That, that, that that's uh, correct. Oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. You fucking moron. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. You idiot. Earth, wind, and fire. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. Um, we do have. Uh, I will be traveling to Connecticut. I do have my uh post elopement celebration party mm-hmm. coming up pretty soon i'll be giving a speech and yes you will and following that a week later is my actual one year anniversary so uh september may be spotty but we will do what we can mm-hmm. we'll be here with some content worst case you guys can record an episode with rob perhaps the core oh the core fuck yeah might be oh, a good I one to do that. if i if i can't <laughs> make it one week so uh yeah have you guys been talking about the core on the other podcast? Rob brought it up. You've been talking about the core without me. Rob <laughs> brought it up as a as a potential to to do sometime on our show on this show. We go behind oh my, my back talking core, talking about the core, <laughs> doing core <What>? discourse. <laughs> you talking core? <laughs> discourse. Wow. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's enough for today. Uh, Love you. Until <laughs> next time. You've been so very very naughty. Ooh, and no, 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 no.